Good afternoon. That was, that was terrible. Is anybody, good afternoon. Um, sorry, that's the, the teacher in me comes out when I stand at the front. That's, sorry, I apologize. Um, you're very, very welcome. Uh, it's great to see you here with us today. Um, we're going to continue. We're, we're looking at a, a new series in the new year, um, a new start. Uh, and we're looking at, we started before Christmas looking at the, the start of the, the Gospel of John. And we're continuing on a little bit into John. Uh, as we think about the, the kingdom that Jesus comes to offer um, and what he has to say about that. Um, before we, we get on to that, um, I think Jeff is going to come and we're going to continue looking at... We've been doing some, some little uh, slots about reading the Bible together one-to-one. So I think Sam is going to come in and interview Jeff very quickly. Hello, Sam. Hi, Jeff. Good to see you. Um, yeah, we want, we want this for everyone who's listening online. Um, so, uh, Jeff, we've been talking the last couple of weeks about trying to get equipped to maybe um, take some of what we're doing here in Wednesday lunchtimes out from here. You know, some people won't be able to come on a Wednesday lunchtime that we know. Uh, some people won't want to come, surprisingly enough, to a Wednesday lunchtime. But we'd love for more people to, to maybe be thinking about what the gospel means in their workplaces. And one way that people have found they can try and do that is by reading uh, something like John's Gospel with a, with a colleague. Now that sounds like a really scary thing. I'm sure half of us are thinking never in a million years. But Jeff, you've attempted to do that, I think. Is that right? Maybe not with a colleague, but with people in yes. your church. Tell us a little bit about what you've been doing. Yes. Um, a year or two ago, we held a Christianity Explored course at church. And um, at the end of that, we just had the idea of asking the participants whether or not they would be interested in having a one-to-one Bible study. And uh, this particular guy, Ben was his name, and I think Ben has been along here, you know, once or twice. Uh, Ben was keen, and so Ben and I then arranged to meet up. Uh, It would have been after the summer, so we had the Christian Explored course in June, then uh, after the summer, so some time before we actually got together to meet up. And uh, we studied the material in John's Gospel. So what uh, the material is, that Jeff's talking about is on your tables there, that kind of folded A4 blue bit of paper is an example of one of the sessions. Um, Stephen, if you just wave that yellow booklet, um, it's published in that, that format there. We've kind of got the original version that we've been printing out just for you to have a look at and to maybe make use of. So... So um, that's called the Word One-to-One. It was developed in, uh, in London, in the city of London, by a business person for use among business people. Um, you obviously, well, you used it with somebody, I suppose, who's come along here. How, how did it go? How did, how did you it, it went it? well. It went well. Um, what then, did you do? What does it look like? What does it look like yeah. to actually use the, the, the stuff? Yeah, well, we just, we just had a chat and decided how we would meet together. So we ended up coming to my house. We sat around my table. Mm-hmm. and had a cup of tea and a few biscuits. And uh, we simply then read through the material um, on any given evening. Maybe lasted about an hour. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And um, we read the material, read some of the comments then, or what you might call the answers in the book. And then that prompted some discussion about the answers. Uh, so when, you're, when you say a Bible study, we, we shouldn't think of it as you're sort of sitting there answering the questions or necessarily even knowing all the answers yourself. You're saying the answers are kind of in the, in the material. Yeah. Is that right? Yeah, that's one of the big advantages. Uh, the answers are there. Um, 
and there's plenty of material to prompt discussion. You'll never be stuck for something to say. Um, and certainly that was our experience. There was plenty going on, plenty of chat. And we were keen to keep going um, as long as it lasted. And as it turns out, Ben had to move away. He moved to Newcastle down in, in, uh, towards Newry. Uh, is it Newry? <laughs> and uh, we, we weren't able to continue. But um, uh, because uh, the other thing I was going to say was that there's quite a lot of material. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah. And so... Um, uh, you know, we we could have still been going, and I suppose in that sense, it might be a good idea if you're looking for a tip, if you're going to chat to someone, um, maybe just to introduce the first book, and um, have some kind of an obvious endpoint, so that yeah. they're not thinking, well, is this going to be inf- infinite? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And if they're interested and things are going well, then you, yeah. you can you can progress from yeah. there. Brilliant. That's a great tip. Um, other other tips like who who could we who could you imagine doing this with yourself, Jeff? Um, would you kind of limit it in some way? Or I think um, essentially it would be someone who you have a sense is um, interested in uh, finding out a little bit about why you are so keen as a Christian. Um, someone who's interested in this whole idea of Christianity. Somebody who's interested in what the Bible actually um, is and what it says. Um, so hopefully by the way, just thinking personally, by the way I maybe live, um, either at home, at church or at work, hopefully someone will be thinking, I want to find out why this is so important to him. And um, I think certainly when, when there's an interest there, yeah. you can use it as a great resource to develop that interest yeah. and, and provide concrete answers to people's questions. Brilliant. Jeff, thank you very much. Take a seat. That's been very, uh, very, very helpful. Um, yeah, it maybe it's somebody uh, you kind of had along to the carol service, whether a Christian colleague or somebody who's, uh, who's not a Christian colleague, um, and they may be interested. That could be a good opportunity to kind of take the, take the conversation further. Um, uh, still aware that that may still sound like quite a daunting thing to kind of take these materials away and sit down and what do you do so what we're what we're suggesting is jeff um laura who spoke last week some of the other people on the leadership team are are actually willing to meet up with anybody who wants to for a series of say three or four lunch times something like that to go through the material with you so that we can kind of get equipped among ourselves to, to do this and then we're ready if the opportunity arises to, to share it with others. So if you'd be interested in doing that, um, just have a speak to me or have a speak directly to Jeff mm-hmm. or anyone else on the leadership team, Stephen, um, afterwards if you'd like to kind of think about signing up to do that. Again, it won't, wouldn't be for an infinite amount of time. It would be for a certain fixed period of time that we could do to just get a sense of how this might work. Uh, that's it, I think. I'll hand up back to Stephen. Um, <clears throat> Sam's kind of uh, been a bit of a jack-in-the-box today, so he'll be back up in two minutes uh, to, to speak to us. But before he uh, does that, we're going to read uh, the passage that we're going to be looking at today. So if, if you have the, the little Bibles on the table there, um, or you have it on your, your phone, um, we're going to be looking at John chapter 2, starting at verse 23, and we're going through to chapter 3, verse 8. Um, you'll find that on start on page 7 of those little booklets, if you have one of those. Now when he was in Jerusalem at the Passover feast, 
Many believed in his name when they saw the signs that he was doing. But Jesus, on his part, did not entrust himself to them because he knew all people and needed no one to bear witness about man, for he himself knew what was in man. Now, there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born in the Spirit. Let me just pray just before Sam comes up to speak. Lord, we we just thank you for your word. Um, Lord, we thank you for all that it teaches us about your kingdom and all that you have done for us. And Lord, as Sam comes up now to speak to us about your kingdom uh, and about being born again, Lord, we pray that you will be with him. Lord, we pray that you will speak through him. And Lord, we pray that this will be a time when we will be encouraged, uh, challenged by your word, and Lord, equipped to go back into our workplaces and live for you. Amen. Thanks. If you haven't already, um, do grab a handout that's on your table there. Okay, great to see everyone. Um, reasonably short talk, I think, today, so we'll hopefully be, we'd be done in plenty of time for you to get back to your, to your offices. Um, still just about the new year, isn't it? It's still kind of January, I think you can still talk about the new year, which is good. Um, I suppose New Year, we often hope that the New Year is a new start, a new, maybe a time of change, new, new Year's resolutions. Maybe some of us have begun new jobs or new uh, roles in our workplace uh, in the New Year. Well, we've been beginning our New Year here at Gospel in the City by looking at John's Gospel. And we're, we're looking really at John chapter 2 all the way through to chapter 4 over the next while. And that really is all about the new start that Jesus comes to bring. It's about the change, the the new beginning that Jesus uh, gives us. So just let me catch you up on a little bit of what we've been looking at. If you turn over the page uh, to page six, the start of chapter two, we've got the story of the wedding at Cana. Um, Jesus is invited to a wedding, but the wine runs out, which is an absolute disaster. But Jesus miraculously turns gallons and gallons of water into gallons and gallons of the finest wine. A taste of what his kingdom's gonna be like, a taste of the future. A taste of the genuinely new start that Jesus comes to give us. uh, Eternal life with God. uh, A feast in the kingdom of heaven. Uh, So that's that's the sort of the start of this section that we've been looking at. And then last week we got a glimpse of how radical this new start is. Jesus goes to Jerusalem and then you see the second half there of chapter two. He cleanses the temple. Uh, He evicts all the money changers and all the animal sellers from the temple. Not that there's anything wrong with selling animals or changing money, 
But this was uh, crowding out the, the true purpose of Jesus' Father's house, which was worship. And Jesus is sort of saying, he's come to do something so radical, something so new, that these old ways of doing things just aren't going to fit with the way that he is going to do things. So it's going to be a radically new start. And I suppose the question that that all raises then is, well, how can we be part of that new start? If, if, if we want to be part of Jesus' radical new kingdom, uh, if we want to be part of Jesus' wonderful new kingdom, how do we do that? How do we do that? Well, we get the answer uh, over the next uh, little while as we get into some important conversations that Jesus has. And for the next two weeks, our focus is going to be on one particular conversation, uh, all about how to be part of this new start Jesus comes to bring. Uh, now, this conversation takes pl- place when Jesus is still in Jerusalem for the Passover festival. Have a look at chapter 2, verse 23. Uh, many people uh, believed in Jesus when they saw the signs, the miracles that he was doing. But strangely, John tells us that although people believed in Jesus, Jesus didn't believe in them. Have a look at verse 24. He didn't entrust himself to them, these people that were believing in him. Now that's odd, isn't it? Like, why would Jesus not trust people who are believing in him? Why would he not trust their professions of faith? Why would, why would he not trust the, the, the sort of the new start that they're making? Why would he think this is not really a proper new start? And I suppose the lesson here is we don't want to be somebody that Jesus doesn't trust. That sounds like a bad thing, doesn't it, to be somebody that Jesus doesn't trust? Well, why didn't Jesus trust these people? Verse 25, look at the end of that there. Jesus himself knew what was in man. Jesus didn't trust these people because he knew what was in man. What does that mean? What does it mean to be somebody who believes in Jesus without Jesus believing in us? What's this kind of cryptic phrase, Jesus knew what was in the man? Well, Jesus, John doesn't leave us guessing. Straight away, John introduces us to somebody, a man named Nicodemus. And this man is somebody who has seen the signs that Jesus is doing. And he's formed a conclusion about who he believes Jesus is. And he's now come to tell Jesus what he thinks. But it's important for us to see that this isn't an ordinary man. Okay, this man, Nicodemus, let's see how he's described. Uh, Chapter 2, verse 1. So it's a bit fiddly having to flick over the page. Um, There's a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man is not a a straw man. He's actually a best-case scenario. Okay, so he's, he's a Pharisee. That means he's really serious about religion. He's very devout. He's very, um, he's very morally uh, upright. He takes all of that very seriously. He believes in really important doctrines um, from the Old Testament. He's not going to be uh, qu- qu- uh, quibbling with those. He really takes his faith and religion very seriously. Um, he's also a member of the Sanhedrin, the Jewish ruling council. So he's somebody who's been entrusted with a lot of responsibility by his peers Um, And later on, um, we're also told, uh, verse 10, that he is the teacher of Israel, the teacher of Israel. He's really the premier theologian in Israel of his day. So let's try and think of a kind of contemporary example. Um, Do people know who Rowan Williams is? No. Yes, Garfield does. That's good. Um, Garfield, who's Rowan Williams? Former Archbishop of Canterbury. Okay, so he's got, he's kind of was entrusted with great responsibility right at the top of of the Church of England. 
Uh, he's also a, a premier theologian. People, currently, everyone I know is reading a book that he's just recently published. He's like a top dog theologian. Okay, and he's also, if anyone, if you've ever seen Rowan Williams on TV or heard him speak, you'll know he's very serious about his faith. You couldn't sort of say that he's kind of um, a showman or that he's kind of just faking it. You can see he really cares and takes it all very seriously. And that's the kind of figure Nicodemus is. Okay, somebody like that, serious, uh, responsible, and a premier theologian. Or maybe kind of in the workplace, maybe you might think of a partner in an accountancy firm, really committed Christian, um, actually an elder in their church, um, gives lots to charity, and they've even read a few Christian books this year. They're that sort of, they're that sort of person, okay? Uh, the best of the best, that's who Nicodemus is. If anybody is going to be in God's kingdom, it's going to be Nicodemus. So let's watch as Nicodemus brings his verdict, uh, his confession of faith, if you like, uh, in verse 2. Nicodemus came to Jesus by night and said to Jesus, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Well, Nicodemus is clearly impressed, isn't he, with Jesus. He, and I suppose he, he had to be. The signs that Jesus were doing clearly showed that, yes, this was a very special person. Um, and so Nicodemus has come for a, a kind of a, a conversation with Jesus. Um, and it seems like Nicodemus is kind of expecting it to be a conversation between two uh, amazing theologians. Because he says, doesn't he, that Jesus is a teacher come from God. And so Nicodemus seems to be imagining a kind of a mutual respect kind of conversation. Nicodemus and Jesus talking together, two wonderful theologians. But it's very interesting to see that as the conversation goes on, Nicodemus's comments get shorter and shorter. And Jesus starts talking more and more. And he becomes more and more blunt with Nicodemus. It becomes clear by the end of the conversation that actually Nicodemus doesn't have a clue. This premier theologian doesn't have a, have a notion about what's going on. And instead, we're going to be left listening to Jesus. So if we're going to be part of Jesus' new start, this conversation with somebody uh, that Jesus doesn't seem to trust is going to show us that Nicodemus and all of us have got a very urgent need. So let's see how the conversation develops. Have a look at verse 3. How does Jesus respond to Nicodemus' confession of faith? Verse 3 Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. That's a stunning reply, isn't it, to what seems like a fairly, uh, fairly complimentary remark from Nicodemus. Now, I suppose I've been asking myself, why does Nicodemus' comment lead to that response by Jesus? Because it doesn't seem to be related, does it? Well, I think the answer is that in Nicodemus' considered theological judgment, Jesus is very clearly a kind of a new prophet, uh, like a new Moses, or, or we might say today like a Muhammad type figure, somebody who's been sent by God uh, to be a prophet, but really ultimately just a man, even though God is with him. And that's obviously wrong, isn't it? If, we, if you were here before Christmas, you'll know that, that John's already told us Jesus is God in the flesh. And the fact that this, this um, very devout, very uh, responsible, very serious, very theologically sharp teacher of Israel hasn't understood this really shows that there's no hope for the rest of us. We're not going to be able to recognize who Jesus is, Jesus says, unless we're born again. 
And so we're not really going to be able to believe in Jesus the way that we should unless we're born again. And so that's why Jesus doesn't trust these people who, are, who say that they're believing in him. Because he knows that we all need to be born again. Well, what, does, what is this kind of second birth? Well, Nicodemus asks this very skeptically in verse 4. How can a man be born when he's old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? And um, Jesus replies by pointing Nicodemus back to the Old Testament. Uh, He points Nicodemus back to promises like the ones in Ezekiel, where God says that he's going to sprinkle clean water on his people and cleanse them from all their sin. And he's going to give them uh, a new heart, a heart of flesh, a a living heart. And he's going to put his spirit within them. So water and spirit. And Jesus says, nobody can be born again unless you're born of water and the spirit. So Jesus is kind of saying to Nicodemus, look, this is all there in the Old Testament. How can you not know this? But the key point is this. If we're going to be part of Jesus' kingdom, we're going to need a radical intervention on the inside of us. We're going to need something so dramatic that it can be called being born again. We need God himself, God the Holy Spirit, to change our hearts and give us a new birth. So this is what we urgently need if we're going to have a new start this year, if we're going to be part of Jesus' kingdom. We need a new start on the inside. So Jesus knows what's in a man. He knows what's in this man, Nicodemus, and he knows what's in all of us, man or woman, whoever we are. He knows that we all need uh, a new start on the inside. Verse 6, that which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is is spirit. There's this kind of just, this unbreakable thing, isn't there? Flesh is not going to turn itself magically into spirit. You need to have an intervention from outside. So um, here's an illustration that I found helpful on this. Uh, see if it helps you. Um, if I could play any sport, I think I'd probably choose to be a batsman. Uh, play cricket maybe for England. That would be really, that'd be really good. I really kind of admire the way batsmen are kind of able to, to come in and initially, you know, it's really difficult because the, the balls are coming down really fast and they have to get their eye in. But if they can stay in there for long enough, eventually they start to get the upper hand and they start kind of bringing out all the, all the really good shots. So you can imagine uh, England are kind of in need of a new batsman. They've kind of had another blip and they're really desperate. And I think, right, I'll put myself forward. So I go up to the, uh, to the England coaches and they agree to give me a trial. And I've got all the pads on and I'm kind of looking reasonably enough the part. And they send me out to the bowling machine. You know, they don't think that Stuart Broad is going to be maybe the best place to start me. So they start me out on the bowling machine. And and the first ball comes down and there's me and I'm, okay, head up, yep. Uh, And the ball comes down and I'm skittled straight away. So, okay, first ball, fine. Second ball comes down and I swing and I miss and then I get stumped uh, straight away. And unfortunately, that is how it would go on because my hand-eye coordination is truly woeful. Okay, I can kind of vaguely bowl, but batting is just really, just doesn't work for me at all. But you can imagine I'm sort of not, not deterred by this. And I sort of go up to the coach and say, look, look, give me a chance here. Maybe with a bit of expert help, maybe with a bit of England coaching, you know, I could, I could get the technique. I could start to pick up the ball a bit quicker and, and, and we could work on it. And you can imagine the coach sort of gripping me quite firmly by the shoulder and saying to me, Sam, if you are going to be a batsman for England, you need to be born again. (laughs) That is the only way it's going to happen. You're going to have to go back to the beginning. You're going to have to um, have a new uh, history, a new kind of early part of your life. In fact, you're going to need new DNA if you are going to be a batsman for England. 
And that's what Jesus is saying, isn't it? Flesh gives birth to flesh. The spirit gives birth to spirit. Don't be surprised when I say to you, you must be born again. Folks, we need new DNA. We need a kind of a rewiring of inside of us if we're going to be part of Jesus' new start. No matter how much we might look the part, and you all look reasonably the part here today, I'm pleased to tell you, no matter how uh, well qualified you are, no matter how well paid you are, no matter how sincere you are, Jesus says that human nature is a spiritual dead end. We're stuck in a rut. Flesh gives birth to flesh. Spirit gives birth to spirit. It's pretty brutal, isn't it? It's pretty blunt. Um, I think we can at least recognize Jesus is being very honest with us, isn't he? And I wonder why he's being so blunt. Why do you think that is? Why do you think he's being so black and white with Nicodemus? It's maybe because Nicodemus is so impressive, isn't he? Jesus knows that if he's going to penetrate into this man's heart and explain to him how far away he really is from the kingdom of God, he's going to have to tell Nicodemus, look, however good you are, it is not going to make the change that you need. And maybe we need that too, because we can be quite good at faking it, can't we? Uh, We look around our world and we see our, our human achievements and our success and we think, yeah, we're doing all right. Human nature's not that bad. Um... In our businesses, we maybe think to ourselves, well, we're making lots of money um, and we maybe want to try and be as responsible and, and, um, and charitable as possible, so let's have a fun run. And we think, yep, that's pretty good. We've done some good stuff there. We've raised some money for charity. We maybe do that in our personal lives as well. I'll not keep going into the details. I think you get the picture. But Jesus sort of says to us, look, you cannot put lipstick on a pig. You need new DNA. You need a radical change on the inside. Um, some of us, I guess, will be finding this hard to swallow because we'll be thinking, well, okay, but this is all we've got, Jesus. Like, we have to make the best with, with who we are, don't we? After all, we are what we are. Let's just try and make the best of it. And I think that's why Jesus says, verse 8, and we're going to finish up uh, with this. Oh, sorry, verse 7. No, verse 8, yeah. The wind blows where it wishes, Jesus says. So here's the illustration Jesus gives. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear its sound but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. So think about the wind, Jesus says. You can see very clearly that it has these powerful effects in our world. You know, trees get blown over, you feel cold, the wind is blowing past. But even though it has all these effects, you don't really know anything about the wind. You don't know really what causes these hurricanes to emerge. You can't really predict what weather systems are going to hit in any given year. But you can't deny that it's got this effect, even though it's sort of invisible and mysterious to us. And so it is with the spirit. There is this spiritual realm that we can't see, that we don't know very much about, and yet it has these dramatic effects in our world. And and Jesus is sort of saying to Nicodemus, I think, look, here I am. Jesus is somebody who is filled with the spirit, and he has these dramatic effects doing all these miracles. We could also point to the kind of history of Christianity. We could point to the changes in our own lives. We can see these effects. And we can all recognize there is this power at work in our world. And even if we don't know where it comes from, even if we find it scary to think about this spiritual world that's beyond us, it's there. And Jesus says we can look there to a spiritual intervention from outside of us that can bring the change that we need. And next week, we're going to be finding out 
how that change can come to us. So that's the kind of the bad news this week. We must be born again. But there is good news coming because Nicodemus says, how can these things be? How can these things happen? And Jesus will explain it all to us next week. Music